Right. <clears throat> Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Ben alongside my sister Paige. And today we have a week four review as we just wrapped up the week four NFL action. We'll discuss the quarter pull of the season, where all divisions are currently sitting, how we think that project to the larger picture of the entire NFL season, and continue to provide our prediction for what will happen the rest of the way. That's next here on the His and Her Podcast. All right, Paige. Um, before we discuss the NFL action, I think it's important to let everyone know that you run a marathon on Saturday. And again, yeah. if, if you run it but don't tell people about it, it doesn't actually happen. So <laughs> it's true. And also to put the pressure on you, you got to finish it now, or else people are going to be highly disappointed. Come <laughs> next Sunday. Yeah, they'll be they'll be heartbroken. Uh, you're running it down in St. George. Yep. Six months of training. Let's go. You excited to be done I'm, with it? I'm excited. I'm nervous. Uh, yeah, just all the feelings. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, did it my is. last long run this morning to prep, and the rest of this week is just it's pretty simple runs. So yeah, yeah, it's a grind. Uh, one of the most unusual experiences you'll have. Uh, all I can say is make sure you bring gel packs. Um, I've got them locked and loaded. I have a couple of buddies that are actually running the St. George one. And I remember you telling me the setup is really strange where you bus up like three hours before the start time. I don't really understand it. I'm not looking forward to that. My bus leaves at 3.30 a.m. and the race doesn't start until 7. Three? Why? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. It's, it happened to me at my half marathon, too, in June, where they bust us up there at 4 a.m. We just had to sit at the top of the mountain in the freezing cold. It was weird for like literally two and a half hours. Yeah, I don't get it. Very strange. Me neither. Also, there's absolutely zero trust between uh, me and Paige. Uh, well, obviously, because actions speak louder than words. We uh, bundle our uh, <laughs> phone bill as like a family. It's in my name, and so I handle paying it, like the whole sum. So obviously with Venmo, I and we've been doing this now for five years. Like it's been a lengthy amount of time. Peri- periodically, every five, six months, Paige will pop up with the, why is my charge this much? And granted, that charge has been the same charge for the, the last several months. I haven't changed a thing. And I say, because that's what it is. And then all of a sudden she, and I know what she's doing is because we've had this conversation before her phone bill is technically 35 bucks, but what she always forgets, so like her name and her line says $35. And I've been more for 30, 46, because on my line, they put the insurance, which is 44 lines for 45 bucks. So divide that by four, you get to 46. And I knew what she was doing. So I am going to take a screenshot of the insurance. And all of a sudden, I get the screenshot back of just her line at $35. And all I said was, how often are we going to do this same conversation? So 
<laughs> absolutely zero trust. It, it just, it's like a downhill slide. And as we said, uh, we'll have this conversation again in April. So looking forward to it. Listen, I'm just just going through the financial books, got to dot my D, dot my I's and cross my T's. Just, <laughs> I just love that. I just got I got that random text and why is my bill 46? And I immediately knew she saw because she got a phone. So she saw 35 and was like, I've been getting overcharged for the last six, seven months. No, I, oh, this was the thing is I always thought it was 42. And it's then it was 46 you, this you, month. So then I went back on all of our Venmos and I was like, no, it's always been 46. Yeah. But listen, in my defense, guy, in my good defense. Guy Zach, I actually requested 50 cents less and have done. I just realized that today. So next month, 46.50 coming your way, pal. <laughs> listen, listen, in my defense, I have been pretty ill and hopped up on a lot of drugs. So that's what I'm going to blame it on this time. <laughs> okay. Well, we're excited to hear what it is in April. So the, tr- no, the trust is deteriorating, apparently. <laughs> a lot of weird games this Sunday. Um, and, you know, we've been doing our three big takeaways the last few episodes. You thought, and I agreed, that at the quarter point of the season, uh, you know, it's not exactly because of the 17 games, but it, it is at the same time. What would be kind of your biggest thought? Like, yeah, you had a lot of good games today that, you know, you go down the list, the Cowboys made a big statement. Uh, the Ravens went in without Deshaun Watson, but they moved the ball and scored a lot of points on that defense that had only given up 21 first downs. The Eagles escaped. The Vikings get their first win of the year. On Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs escape, but Zach Wilson looks really good. But I think most impressively, C.J. Stroud goes out and balls against a really good Steelers defense to bring them to 2-2. Two and two. But overall, Paige, what, what's been kind of your thoughts at the quarter point of the year, things that you want to touch on? Yeah, um, I just think that you can't trust the first month of football in terms of determining what the rest of the season is going to look like or even what the postseason will look like. Obviously, you'll have those standouts that like a 49ers team is probably going to stay that way for the rest of the season and be competitive and be one of the top teams. But I think that every single year we get to the point where we're four or five games in. And you think you've kind of got a layout of like what these teams look like, but there's always going to be some teams that fall and there's always going to be some teams that rise. And so I think that, I mean, there's a lot of things happening right now in the NFL that you wouldn't have expected. I mean, Cincinnati being one and three, I think is something that a lot of people wouldn't have had on their bingo card be preseason. And so I just, that's the, that's what makes football so great is that there is every single week, each game matters and there's so much room. The margin of error is so small that you just one, one play in one game can affect your entire season. And it's just wild to watch. And so just looking at a quarter in, it's like, okay, we're finally in October. Let's look forward to like what's going to happen in the next few weeks. That's going to really start separating um, the playoff teams away from the, we're looking at the draft teams. Yeah, obviously um, there's a lot that happened this week. I think it was a, a really interesting week of football, but I think, as you said, you know, the first four games are liars and obviously the first week is a liar. And, and I think it speaks to, The Bills in specific, obviously, week to week, so much can change. And teams that have won by 50 plus are seven and six since 1970. So 
obviously dominant, dominant performance doesn't mean it's going to carry over week to week. And that, to me, that's the greatest part about football is that every single week it's a fresh game, a fresh experience. But what Buffalo did today to kind of re-cement themselves uh, as the team of that division and to be taken seriously as a team in the entire conference, I think was really, really good. Uh, obviously, I think seeing tonight what the Jets defense did to Patrick Mahomes, he should have been three picks, uh, which is what Josh Allen did in that, in that Monday night football game. I think you're starting to see, okay, Josh Allen had one bad game, but they have blown out three straight games. And this last one being a very impressive win against a really good Dolphins team. And more than Josh Allen looked really good, the defense shut down the Dolphins to the best extent that you've seen this year. Bill Belichick had a pretty good success against them. But for the first two drives for the Dolphins to go out and score, and then from there on out have it be incredibly tough, turn the ball over, and then make it a track meet, it was, it was impressive to watch. I know it was at home, and so the, tape, the, the script could be exactly flipped when they go down to Miami the next time that these two teams play. But overall, as we sit here, I think that the Bills have had the most impressive month of football because it started so poorly and the wheels could have fallen off just as easily as they've been able to get them back on track and in the right direction. Yeah, it's interesting too. I think something that I've noticed in the NFL is that it feels like a lot of the times when teams have these like either major emotional wins or these like major upsets or they win by a ton of points that oftentimes the next week they kind of fall off. And so I was looking kind of into the stats on that and the the closest I could find because it's hard to measure like with every single game. But right now, what a stat is, is that teams coming off of a 50 plus point victory are now seven and six in their next game since 1970. And so it's kind of interesting to me that you've got quite about 50, 50 um, percent after a major win, go in and lose the game right directly following it. And I think there's a variety of reasons on that, obviously kind of feeling on top of the world and like insane play just might do something to your mental state that makes it so that you're not as able to focus on, especially with all media coverage and things like that. And granted, I mean, I think the Dolphins didn't get as much uh, media coverage on their insane victory over the Broncos as they probably would have if other things hadn't been happening in the news cycle, like Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Um, But it's just interesting to me that you see that kind of when teams have this like major victory or they have like an major emotional win that oftentimes the next week, it's like they're not fully prepared for that game. And I think that's what we saw with the Dolphins. It just felt like the Bills had spent much more time prepping and like studying their film to know exactly how to beat the the Miami offense. And it doesn't feel like the defense, the Miami defense had put in that same work. Yeah. And I look across the conference and, and I see kind of, the class of the conference being the Niners and the Eagles, the two only unbeaten teams in the NFL, and then the Cowboys. And you look at how they've won those games, the Eagles point differential being 118 to 90, the Cowboys being 124 scored to 41 only allowed, and the Niners being 125 uh, points scored and 58 points allowed. So they're all getting it done. Two of them are getting it done in similar ways, and the other one is is the Eagles squeaking by these wins, which I think is interesting because last year the question was, could they win some of these close games? And the, the battle that they had at home against the Commanders, I think, was really impressive because they were down big early. I think they got down 10. I think it was 17-10 um, at one point. It may have even been 17-3. 
but they were able to battle back, had the lead late. Uh, they gave up that touchdown right at the buzzer. And I cannot believe that Ron Vere didn't go for two to just to win the game on the road. Last play, don't give the ball back. It, it was idiotic in my opinion. But to win those close games, I think, is really important to them because as you see with the Cowboys, they blow out, blow out, let down, like you were saying, and blow out. So, like, are they going to be a roller coaster team that when things kind of get tight, they, they haven't experienced it, where the Eagles are learning from these games and Jalen Hurts is just showing you, I mean, he just wins. Like, he, he kind of figures it out, makes a couple mistakes, but with the weapons of Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, and his running ability, particularly in those short yardage situations you saw today where there a lot of talk about that play, getting it banned. I know it was frustrating us watching a Thursday night football where they ran it four or five times. But obviously, you saw other teams do it today, and they didn't convert. And they converted nearly every single time. So obviously, it has a lot to do with how they run it themselves. They become you know really difficult to stop. And so I think the Eagles, although – they haven't been nearly as impressive outside the 49ers because I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. I think that this has actually been a better season for them than it was last year up to this point. I'm just getting that learning. I mean, Jalen Hurts, too. It's just impressive to see what he's able to do. He's gone his last five regular season games where his team was trailing by 10 plus points. He's actually come back and won. And so to your point, like he's just learning how to like come back and win in those tight games. Which, yeah, I think that's something that Cowboys fans are a little bit concerned by, right? That's been an issue that Dak Prescott has had in the past. And so it's kind of like what will separate the best teams from the good teams in the NFL is your ability to play in the tight games. And I think there's something to be said about it too, right? Because there's teams that um, they're off, they're like always in a close game. And so they might, they might learn. I mean, this is, this was the Vikings last year, right? Every single one of their games for the most part was a two point was within a score game, single digit leads, things like that. And so they learned how to win a lot in those games, but also like, are you ever separating yourself enough to like show that you're a more dominant team? Are you always playing at the level of the teams that you're playing against? And that's the one thing that it feels like with the Eagles, like They've gotten, they've played a variety of teams and they have been close in every single game. And it's like, okay, at what point are you going to play a team that has a lot less skill than you, a lot less power in their squad, and you're going to actually just dominate them? Because we haven't really seen that from the Eagles up until this point. In your opinion, um, who is the best team in the NFC, like out of those three? I obviously think they're the class of the, of the entire conference. I think it's the, the, the four the 49ers are far and above. Like I just think that the 49ers are in a different league than everyone else right now. I mean, yeah. think about this. 49ers won easily today, and Debo Samuel did not have one target. Right. Like one of their best players wasn't even hit in their like 21-point victory. Like, it's just wild to me that you think through this, and it's like they have such deep. They have such a deep roster and so much athletic ability that like every single game you're relying on a different player that can just impact the game in an insane way. This week it's Christian McCaffrey four touchdowns. Like it's just wild to me that their ability to Brock Purdy, we've mentioned it before while you're, I think you're a little bit more um, critiquing of Brock Purdy. I think that he has the skill that's setting him apart. I think that if he was a really subpar quarterback, you would see a lot more issues on the 49ers offense. Um, but I just think that the 49ers 
ability to pressure the ball, their ability to run, their ability to throw, like just sets them far and above anyone else. And I honestly don't think that there's any team in the NFL that's in the same league as the 49ers right now. Yeah, I think you can always just put the Chiefs in there just because of who Mahomes is. But I agree as like holistically as a team, they uh, they definitely, as I've said, I believe they are the best team. The nice thing is, is but it's like with with it's like with the Chiefs and with Mahomes, they have such he's having such issues with his like receiving core Mm -hmm. that it just makes it easier to lean on the 49ers that way, because I feel like if I put the 49ers against the Chiefs today in the Super Bowl, I think that the 49ers would come out on top because the chiefs need to figure some stuff out. Yeah. The nice thing is we don't have to wait long a week from today. The Niners host the Cowboys on Sunday night football for, I think probably going to be one of the best Sunday night football matchups of the year. That's going to be so they, fun. obviously a lot of hatred between these two teams and ter- it's kind of a rivalry that dates back to the nineties, but now is being renewed uh, with the Niners having kicked the, the Cowboys out of the playoffs two years, I believe the last two years in a row. So yeah, where Dak ran the ball and they didn't have a timeout. And then uh, the Ezekiel Elliott getting run, run over on the last play of his Cowboys career. So going to be a great game. And I think that you'll learn a lot about the Niners over the next uh, several weeks. So they play the Cowboys Sunday night football. They didn't have to travel to Cleveland, which as we've talked about, that's really going to be a really big test for, uh, for Brock Purdy, that's 11 a.m. kickoff. So, you know, Pacific team traveling all, all the way to the middle, uh, you know, of Ohio early game. And then they go to Minnesota, play the Bengals. And now those two games looked like they were going to be a lot harder. But I promise you this much, it's a Monday night football game in Minnesota. It will be a one-score game. The Niners probably win, but just know it'll be one score. Um, and then, uh, so I think over the next few weeks, you're going to learn a lot, a lot about them. They have some travel. They play the Bengals, and then they have to go all the way to Jacksonville. So there's going to be maybe a little fatigue, and you'll learn a little bit about Purdy through those through those weeks. One of my uh, good friends, a uh, major Vikings fan from Minnesota, he got gifted tickets by his wife to a Monday night football game with his brother. Oh. And when she gifted them to him, she was so excited. And he opens it, and he's like, what game? And it was the Niners game. And he was like, ooh. You could have chose a better game for me to go to. <laughs> yeah, it'll either be. Yeah, I mean, I guess typically the Vikings play one score games, but they also do get blown out like bad in the Kevin O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell era of Viking football. And so, yeah, there is a chance maybe it just gets real ugly. But either way, I agree with you. I think the Niners are the best team, but we get to find out a little bit more next week. For me. Another one of the statements from today that carry it over to an overarching divisional uh, lead is the Baltimore Ravens. They're handling Lamar Jackson. Let's go of the Cleveland Browns. Now the Cleveland Browns are down Deshaun Watson, who played his best game of his Browns career just last week uh, with the shoulder issue. So they started a rookie. So obviously there's a little bit of a caveat, but it's a win. It sends the Browns to two and two. The Ravens, the three and one. And if there's a team that is battling through adversity and injuries, it's the Baltimore Ravens. So John Harbaugh, John, John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson just showing that they are legit. So well, listen, listen, listen. Obviously, Deshaun Watson being out might affects it overall. But the biggest thing leading into Sunday was everyone talking about how the Browns defense, the Browns defense was the thing to be worried about. The Browns defense is what was going to cause so many issues. And then it was like, oh, and if Deshaun Watson can play even somewhat of what he played last Sunday, the Browns can win this game. And 
Lamar Jackson was incredible under pressure today, completing eight of nine passes for 136 yards and a touchdown, even though he was facing a pressure rate of 53.8%. And so Lamar Jackson, like he is just proving more and more that like he is like that contract was worth it and that he has only continued to grow in this in this whole entire team even amongst the injuries he's able to be a standout on offense and kind of lead this team to victory but I just think this was a huge statement win for the Ravens over a Browns defense that has been really scary through the first three weeks of this season I think more impressive uh than than what the Ravens were able to do is the parody that is the AFC South I have no idea what this division is going to be at the end of the year. All four teams are at two and two. It's crazy. You know, some teams have beaten each other. Like uh, the Jags beat the Colts, and the, but the Colts went in and whooped the Texans. I don't know even know who the Titans have played out of these teams. I'm not even Titan, sure. Titans beat the 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 Bengals today. I know they it's beat the Bengals crazy. in division, though. I'm not yeah. sure. So you, it just seems like every week is different, right? The Jaguars got their absolute butt kicked by the Texans uh, just last week, but then they go into London and win convincingly against the Atlanta Falcons team. And the Texans today put an absolute beat down on the Steelers. And so, and just like you said, the Titans last week couldn't even move the ball against the Browns, had 92 total yards of offense. And then this week, they annihilate the Bengals. And so... Just a weird division that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I think the number one thing coming out of it is C.J. Stroud looking like the guy. And I mean, the same with Anthony Richardson. They were super close to making that comeback win down 23 nothing at halftime. Um, to, and they forced overtime. Matthew Stafford hits Puka Nakua for his first touchdown, uh, which also won the game for him in overtime. But. That division with the quarterback play of C.J. Shroud, Anthony Richardson, and Trevor Lawrence, that might be a division that's going to be top tier, top flight here for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, you give it two or three years. It's going to be awesome. C.J. Shroud posts his third consecutive game with 250-plus passing yards, two-plus passing touches, and zero interceptions. It's the longest such streak in rookie uh, since 1970. And then he also had 1,200 passing yards, zero interceptions. He was the first player in NFL history over his first career games and i know he has over like 120 uh attempts and no interceptions and again that's another rookie record and so with what you're seeing out of these quarterbacks this division i think is going to be probably 500 because like you said the week-to-week thing rookie quarterbacks are the most week-to-week product that you have in the nfl and so there's going to be down weeks for both of these guys but overall i'm really impressed with what you see from them and again I think the Jaguars will win it just because I've seen it do it. But this Texans team over the last two weeks seems like they found something. Nico Collins, the wide receiver uh, for the Texans, had his best day. Uh, and so it's just kind of cool to see it all come together for, for that team. And D'Amico Ryan showing that he's a legit NFL coach after you know getting his chance here in Houston. I know, but it's even interesting because, like, even the Colts, who was a team that, like, we weren't talking about going into the beginning of the season in a good, in a good positive way. There was a lot of drama in Indianapolis throughout the whole preseason. But to see them, like, today, coming back from a 23-point deficit, coming back, tying the game, getting it to overtime, and then obviously having Puka Nakua's first touchdown kind of steal the victory for the Rams. But, I mean, you're seeing play out of Indianapolis Colts and Anthony Richardson that it's like, okay, like, this team – 
Like this team has some elements that can really make it good. And so I'm just so intrigued to see, yeah, this division throughout the rest of the season is going to be something to just watch because it's the tightest division in football right now. And you honestly don't know who's going to be where I feel like the Titans are going to win by win by 30 and lose by 30 every other week. And you never know what you're going to get out of them. Um, and then same for the Jaguars. I mean, Trevor Lawrence obviously has had a lot of spectacular play, but it's also just interesting to me. I'm like, okay, Trevor Lawrence, third year in the league, and he's got two rookies right on his tail. Is this like a telltale sign of what his his career is going to look like? Mm-hmm. And are Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud going to be able to separate themselves? And in like two, three years, we're looking at them dominating that Jacksonville team. It's just really interesting to think about. Yeah, I, I'm excited to kind of see how it all comes together for that division. I think it's going to be obviously a race down towards the, towards the end. Um, in terms of wrapping up a lot of the division talk, I think there's two that we need to make mention of. One, the NFC North we touched on the Lions' impressive win over the Packers. They're sitting up atop of the division and look to be the best team in that division up to this point. And they have a good opportunity to, to jump out to a 5-1 record. Uh, they host the Panthers at home this next week. And then they travel to Tampa. And Tampa, obviously, a lot better than people expected. They go in and beat down a New Orleans Saints team that it also looked fairly impressive. But I think it's a good opportunity for them to build upon that division lead, especially with other uh, people within their division uh, having some tougher games. Now, the other one, I think, is the AFC West with the Chiefs. Because the Chargers get off to a slow start, but then it seems like they found some rhythm. But then, of course, Brand, I just don't know how far they can go with Brandon Staley as their coach. Does some weird things. And then Justin Herbert breaks, like, breaks a finger, gets his hand stepped on. He's wearing a cast, a splint. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Out of those divisions, right now, both the Lions and the Chiefs um, are leading at 3-1. and one. And then the the exact almost the exact same order where the two and two team, there's a one and three team. The Broncos are one and three after their comeback. And then the obviously the Bears are 0 and four. Packers two and two, Vikings one and three. Do the Chiefs and the Lions maintain their lead for the rest of the year? Or do any of the other teams in the division make a run to win it by by the end? What do you think? Um, oh, it's so hard. I mean, I think. I think there's a lot of options here. And I think that the Detroit Lions are similar to the New York Jets, where it's hard to believe that it's going to be just like dominant performance from here on out. Um, So I think that there's a chance that there's like some flip flopping in the NFC North. Obviously, the Vikings and the Bears would have to crawl themselves out of a hole to kind of build back to that. But I do think that there's a chance that this Packers team puts a little pressure um, on that Lions and they're right there behind them. I think that you're going to see the Lions lose a couple games this season that tech, like you don't think that they should lose because they're in that like while they're they are better. I think they're still learning and I think there's going to be a lot of margin of error on their part and there might be some games that they come out like losing to. Obviously, I mean, even like in the Chiefs game that they were able to be victorious in, it's like if Patrick Mahomes receivers catch one or two more passes, the Lions don't win that game. And so I think that you're going to see some closer games like that. So I think it's more to me, it's more likely in the NFC North to see one of these like one of these other teams kind of start chasing that Lions record than it is to see anything happen in the AFC West. I think you're going to see the Chiefs stay at the top of that that the entire time. Um, I just, I don't trust Brandon Staley and that chargers offense is amazing. 
but the defense is questionable. And so I think you're going to see them exposed a lot of the time. And obviously the Raiders and Broncos, I don't think that there's a way they're going to be up there competing with the Chiefs. No. That's what's interesting is the Chargers seem to have the quarterback best suited to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes uh, in that division. But they seem to have a massive, anytime that Andy Reid and Staley are going to go against each other, it's a massive coaching disadvantage. And then, like you said, the defense for the Chargers, even though there's names everywhere on that defense, it's just not coming together. Um, so, clear Mac, though, got to give him a shout-out. Six sacks, probably the defensive Incredible. player. Incredible. Defensive player of the week for the AFC, because our man Harrison Smith rivaled that on the Minnesota Vikings. But, yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I think the Chiefs, just because of the history and, and who they are, it'd be hard to see them um, not winning the division. But if there's a team that can do it, I think it's far more likely that the Chargers overtake the Chiefs honestly, in my opinion, than it is a team to overtake the Lions. And that's a weird statement to say, but looking at the teams in the NFC North, I don't believe the Packers are any good. If you look, they gave up that, they had a 12-point lead to the Atlanta Falcons in Week 2, um, and the Falcons overcame it and won. And then in like, was that Week 2? That was Week 2, right? Yes. And then they've scored like 13 points since then. Like, it's just, it's been insane. So. I'm really not impressed with the Packers. And then obviously the Bears are done so far and the Vikings can't get out of their own way. Uh, and so I just think that that division is, with the way the Lions are playing now, unless injury happens, I would be surprised if they don't win at the end of the year. Not a, not a statement I was prepared to say, but that's how I feel, sadly. Um, overall, just, any other last thoughts you want to touch on for the quarter point of the year? Um, no, just the last thought is still angry at the, whoever's controlling the schedule. Stop putting so many games at 11 o'clock. Oh yeah. Here's the thing. This next week will be beautiful. So there's one game. So bye week start next week, but it goes one, the London game, the Jags, this is something we failed to mention last week, but the Jags played the London game. They now play the, they stayed and they're playing again this week. The bills are traveling to London and playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's, that's a game to wake up for. That's a, that's a good one. So, um, But then there's 6, 11 o'clock, and then 4 to 2 o'clock. There we go. Mount, it's a little bit Mount, better. Mountain Standard Time, of course. And there's a lot of good matchups next week, so I know that we're not you know jumping ahead, but week five you have, okay, Thursday night football game, not so good, Bears Commanders. But you have Jackson Bills in the morning. The Titans-Colts is a very interesting divisional matchup. The Texans-Falcons is even pretty dang good. And then you have um, the Ravens-Steelers, classic, they don't like each other game, okay? Uh, Then you have the Eagles and the Rams, Chiefs and the Vikings, Cowboys, and the Niners. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Pretty solid slate. Uh, All right, well, any other last thoughts for this week of football, Paige? I mean, just give a shout out to Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. Yes. I'm wearing my Stefan Diggs jersey right now. RIP. But just that was just such an incredible offensive performance. And to see um, Stefan Diggs kind of, I think that we've been missing a little pieces of those of Stefan in the last little, in the last few games. So it was just kind of fun to see that intense ability that we saw in Minnesota and in the early stages in, in the Buffalo Bills franchise to kind of see him stepping into that 
and they had a day. And I just think that that's a game that every like just if you're going to rewatch some highlights this week, I think that's a great game to go rewatch. Yeah, we already shout out uh, Khalil Mack. You did the offensive one. I'm going to just make sure make mention anytime you have a 99 yard pick six uh, incredible defensive play because it's really a 14 point swing at the very minimum 10 point when you're talking about a 99 yard one. And so obviously in the first drive of the game, Kirk Cousins makes a terrible decision. Sam Franklin Jr. for the Panthers runs back 99 yards, including a hilarious pancake on Kirk Cousins. He got laid out. Um, It was the longest defensive score in Carolina Panthers history. So you always got to show some love there. Uh, And then on the flip side, Harrison Smith, three sacks, 14 tackles, and a forced fumble that led to the Vikings score. And I, I saw the tweet that said, hey, if, if this Viking season ends up going anywhere, that would be the turning point. Because that, that was the moment in, like, the Panthers are driving. They're inside the 30. They're and up it by was, six. They're up by six. And it was just like, oh, this, this team is no good. We are the worst team in the league. And at that moment, it flipped. They stopped them. And the Vikings scored. And that's what ended up being the, the final score of the game, 21-13. So, shout out to Harrison Smith as well. So, all right. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode of Here's the Podcast. I'm Zach Bennett. That's my secret page. Tune in next for Friday for the preview pod. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Hey, night.